Hello everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're looking at a novel starring a male magical protagonist because I feel like we're very female heavy at the moment, so we're scooting over to the other side. This one is also a gay erotica story, much like the Charm of Magpie series, which I reviewed a while back, uh, but this one is by a different author, Jordan Hawke, and to be honest, I keep reading books in this sort of genre, not because I like reading erotica about magical men, because frankly I like erotica either way, no matter who's in it, but because I find that the books written in this particular genre uh, with male protagonists are a lot more nuanced and varied in terms of their protagonists than the other books, which tend to be written by guys, uh, you sort of, your Dresden Files, your City of London, Rivers of London. I looked at it a while ago by Ben Aronovich. And they tend to have these characters who are, to put it bluntly, the male version of a Mary Sue, and I feel like we need a word for that because there are a lot of them about, looking at you, Captain America, um, in the sense that they're just these kind of quipping, fedora-wearing guys who run around with amazing godlike magical powers and don't seem to have any flaws aside from you know, being misogynists. I'm not saying that all men are bad writers or that all bad books are written by men, because this book that I quite enjoyed is also written by a man, but what I am saying is that that former class of books that I tend not to enjoy do tend to be written by and written, I guess, for a specific kind of genre of men, uh, so I tend not to enjoy them very much. It's kind of refreshing to read books in this particular genre with male protagonists who tend to have a more in-depth emotional life, um, which I quite enjoy. Now, I read a lot of books in the, like, gay erotica genre anyway, but I found with this one and with the Charm of Magpie series that, in fairness, the plot was so interesting that the erotica stuff kind of got in the way, uh, and I'll discuss that once we've gone through a little bit of what the plot is about, and beware of spoilers. So the blurb is thusly, some things should stay buried. Repressed scholar Percival Endicott Wyborn has two skills, reading dead languages and hiding in his office at the Ladysmith Museum. After the tragic death of the friend he secretly loved, he's ruthlessly suppressed any desire for another man. So when handsome ex-Pinkerton Griffin Flaherty approaches him to translate a mysterious book, Wyborn wants to finish the job and get rid of the detective as quickly as possible. Griffin left the Pinkertons following the death of his partner, hoping to start a new life, but the powerful cult which murdered Glenn has taken root in Widdishins, and only the spells in the book can stop them. Spells the intellectual Wyborn doesn't believe are real. As the investigation draws the two men closer, Griffin's rakish charm threatens to shatter Wyborn's iron control. When the cult resurrects an evil sorcerer who commands terrifying monsters, can Wyborn overcome his fear and learn to trust? Will Griffin let go of his past and risk falling in love? Or will Griffin's secrets cost Wyborn both his heart and his life? So there's quite a lot going on in this plot, to be honest. There's obviously the resurrection storyline, which gets touched on. I guess most of the blurb is about the romance elements. Uh, but to start from the top, the book is set in sort of Victorian era America. I I'm guessing in the New England type area uh, in a fictional town called Widdershins, which is what drew me to the book in the first place. Obviously, it's also the title, uh, Widdershins being a, a sort of pagan word, uh, and that grabbed my interest. Now, the core mystery in the story is that Griffin, the ex-Pinkerton, is now a private detective trying to solve a murder case which is being ignored and partially covered up by the police, uh, the victim in which mailed this magical encoded book uh, to his father uh, for safekeeping before he was killed, and he turns to Wyborn, 
uh, the other male protagonist uh, to translate it because he's a master of like dead languages etc now normally these books are written in dual perspective and you get chapters from each guy's point of view um which is i think what happened in charm of magpies it's sort of generally the pattern for these uh, m slash m novels this one takes place entirely in wyvorn's perspective so you never really get griffin's perspective there are 11 other books in the series so i don't know if that changes but uh for this we are just in wyvorn's head which on the one hand does keep things uh nice and simple and we don't have to deal with switching back and forth between them but also i felt like we didn't get to know griffin that well uh, and I would have liked maybe some chapters from his perspective as well. So maybe we'll get that in other books down the line. That could also be interesting. Obviously, this book that he's been asked to translate turns out to be a book of magic. And through one thing or another, they end up investigating a cult who has resurrected an evil sorcerer like from the dead and who have this dastardly plan to destroy the world. And it ends up being quite high stakes towards the end unfortunately the plot is quite predictable because i'm just gonna give you a few elements that come out in the first couple of chapters wyborn's family are a historical family that's been in the town for a very long time there's various conspiracy theories about other families that have been founding families of witticians including the evil sorcerer guy who was one of the founders of Widdishins, and uh, he also has an uncle who is a very pale and unnerving man whose only son died in a horrible boating accident in which um, in which Wyborn was also like partially injured slash drowned uh, and he is never stopped mourning his lost son so you can probably see the direction in which the plot is going quite early on and to be honest that was also why I got kind of tired of all the sex scenes being packed into the middle because it kind of slowed down what was going to be quite a predictable reveal anyway and it just felt like a lot of stuff to slog through. Uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Right now I want to focus on the general concept of magic in the story because, you know, that's what we're here for. Um, so the general feeling of it is a little bit ceremonial magic, magician sort of stuff. We've got a lot of talk about... Uh, different components from different animals, specific rituals at different times in alignments with the planets, that that kind of vague ceremonial magic stuff. It kind of reminded me of um, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes films, specifically the first one when they're dealing with that magician guy. Um, but there's also a touch of the, I'm going to say, light Lovecraftian horror, because we are talking about like creatures and beings with weird impronounceable names full of consonants coming from different dimensions to generally fuck shit up so um it, it has a, a soupçon of lovecraft in there thankfully not a soupçon of racism as well but you know it's just just just, just some of the horror elements um there aren't really many other main characters aside from the two principals but the the third wheel in this romance story is christine who i love she is the power lesbian I never knew that I needed in one of these novels. Uh, but she is a, a lady who also works at the museum. She is an Egyptologist and has recently returned from Egypt. Why are the birds are screaming? Is the end coming? Okay. Uh, she's recently returned from Egypt uh, with a mummy in a, a tomb that she's found. And, and this is relevant in terms of the plot. But she spends most of her time either being annoyed that people are being sexist and treating her like this delicate flower who can't possibly go into egyptian tombs because she might see a picture of a willy carved on a wall and being nothing short of like a gun-toting lunatic who just who's just like where are these monsters let me at them let me at them and i love her for that she's amazing 
And she's also Wyborn's only friend and has already worked out that he's gay and is kind of okay with it. Um, so I wasn't sure if she was a lesbian because, you know, there's always a vibe of that in, in the historical thing with a strong independent woman who don't need no man. Um, but um, yeah, she, she is just an ally through and through at this point. So those are our like three main characters and basically who we deal with through the entire story while they're trying to work out all the mystical gubbins that's going on. Now, I don't know where I read this, but it's something that I definitely think is true and I feel like it was mentioned on the My Dad Wrote a Porno podcast, uh, but it, it's a general rule that makes sense. I think it might also have been in the book How Not to Write a Novel, which is one of my favourite non-fiction books about writing because it's funny and informative and that's really all you want in a non-fiction book. Um, but basically, if you're writing sex scenes and things like that into your plot, they should advance the plot. And that's not to say that, you know, someone has to be like bent over a laptop hacking into the Pentagon. Like plot stuff doesn't happen, have to happen during. But it should tell us something about the characters. It should um, change their relationship. It should establish things about their characters and how they interact with each other. And this didn't really feel like it was doing that. You have like the first scene where it's like, oh, okay, so these two are going to be an item now and that's great. And that kind of ups the stakes for their emotional attachment to each other as the scenes in the novel become more perilous. But from that point, it, it does feel like they're working through some sort of cheat sheet because I feel like every, because I feel like every erotic novel that I've read that hasn't been um, wildly original has been slightly formulaic runs like this is that there's like the initial encounter the time that they have sex the time they have sex in a slightly more adventurous position and it just kind of goes on and i feel like one they blew their load way too early with 11 more books to go and that poem was fully intentional and two having all these scenes they didn't really add anything to their relationship that the relationship changes based on conversations that they have later which are actually more interesting and i found myself kind of skipping over a lot of the sex scenes because i felt like there wasn't really a lot of importance to them. There wasn't any advancement of the plot changes to their relationship. It was just in there for the sake of, you know, this novel needs to fit into that MM romance erotica category, which is a shame because I feel like it definitely could stand apart from that and maybe include those elements without having like literally five sex scenes in the space of like nine chapters. It just felt like a little bit much. So that kind of turned me off a little bit, ironically, uh, because I was at that point invested in the story. I wanted more scenes with the, these monsters. I wanted to get into the ceremonial magic of it more. And it felt like time was being given to this other stuff, which, you know, every book has, whereas this other stuff was more original and interesting. Now, normally in, so for example, like The Charm of Magpies, which is the only other series I can really compare this to in my head, your two main characters have their own unique sets of skills. So in The Charm of Magpies, you've got the Lord who has his wealth and influence and also his shady contacts and uh, business dealings, as well as his um, knowledge of Chinese folk magic uh, and practices like that. So to kind of expanding on what we know of the universe of magic. And then you've got the other guy who is working for like the Ministry of Magic but not that and he has the magic powers and the knowledge of actual magic-y history stuff so they have their own different sets of skills and they work in concert with each other to solve crime 
In this, there wasn't really so much of that. Where it starts out is you've got Griffin, who's like the ex-Pinkerton. He's the guy who has a gun and who is more action-y. And he does use disguises and investigates stuff uh, throughout the novel. And then on the other side, you've got Wyborn, who has the theoretical language translation skills and knowledge of history uh, to sort of bolster up that research. But then he does also develop magical powers because he translates the mystery book, which is called the Arcanorum, and I'm assuming the Necromicon was taken, but he translates it and learns one spell, which is the true name of fire, which enables him to make fire happen on flammable things, which is quite an interesting spell, and he does use it a variety of times throughout the novel once he develops it, uh, usually in like fight scenes, um, and also just to prove that magic is real to people. I'm hoping that in the future books he maybe translates more of the Arcanorum and develops more spells because I feel like then he'll be bringing some really different stuff to the table because as it stands him and Griffin kind of end up doing a lot of the same things. Uh, a lot of the fight scenes involve both of them, a lot of the research both of them do and it just kind of feels like they are to a lot of extents the same kind of character as opposed to each of them having their own, like, function. Uh, but uh, maybe that's just because this one was just introducing them and they haven't really diversified fully into their own practices. Because, um, although I guess Griffin could technically learn magic too, if he just read the book, but it is implied that, spoiler alert, because Percy Wyborn comes from one of these old families that he has some sort of innate talent for magic so we'll see where that goes in the in the coming books what i did find interesting about um, wyborn's character is that he has this struggle because for most of his life he's been kind of bullied and pushed around by his father and older brother and then also his colleagues at the museum basically these kind of alpha male types um and his first instinct when he learns magic is this inner desire to kind of prove himself to those people and to use it aggressively against them because now he has a weapon that he can use and he struggles with that and really sees in that need and desire to punish people with the new power that he has uh, a connection to this sorcerer guy who's also very evil and has long fingernails which is creepy um and I kind of like that as character development. It showed that he was aware of the knife edge that he was on. And I think that's an interesting thing to introduce to his character. Similarly, on the flip side, you've got Griffin, who has been through a lot. Um, because his partner was murdered uh, when he was on the job as a Pinkerton. And then everyone said he was mad because um, he saw him get eaten by a squish monster from outer space. And he has had this sort of long history of not being able to rely on people and it's kind of difficult for him to work in concert with other people and, and as a partnership and he is initially quite suspicious of Christine as well because he's worried that she's gonna you know spill their secret get them in trouble so that's kind of an interesting character development for him I kind of hope that he gets a little bit more later on we get to find out a little bit more about his life before as i said it would help if we got some novels or sections from his perspective now overall i said the book was kind of predictable and it is to a certain extent like a lot of the stuff not necessarily on the relationship side but in terms of the actual mystery plot you can kind of see it coming once you learn the mechanics of how the magic is meant to work mainly with salt is what i learned is is that they reduce bodies and animals to 
various component salts and then use that to create these half human half animal monsters but also to resurrect people from the dead um once you learn that and also you've been introduced to the cast of characters you can kind of see the grieving father who, who really 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 misses his son and the guy who can bring people back from the dead they might have some interests in common um and obviously the fact that we meet Percy's family and we know that they're like an old family that's been in the area for a really long time. You know, they're not going to be not involved in what's going on. But having said that, it is kind of pulled off quite well, although a lot of the realisations do kind of come out of nowhere. The characters don't really feel their way towards conclusions. Uh, there's one moment that really stuck out where in like two lines... Um, Percy finally puts it together like, oh my god, he's going to resurrect his son. And it's like, well, that was incredible, incredibly obvious to me, but you have to show him getting there. Like, he needs to show his working out. Otherwise, it's just he realises something is going to happen. There's no way he could possibly have known. The one other thing that kind of uh, irritated and annoyed me was when you get to the end of the book, um, there's the final showdown. Shit gets fucky. The, the cult are there. Wybon's there, Griffin's there, Christine's there with her rifle, because she's a boss, and everything happens, the showdown happens, and obviously there's peril, Griffin and Wybon are like holding each other, they're like, oh, I'm so glad that you're alive, and Percy's dad sees this. Now, his dad has been so far, so far shown to be kind of a bastard, because he hates the fact that Percy didn't go to his alma mater like the widdishans academy of evil bastards and he didn't go into the family business and he has completely cut wyborn off without a cent he hasn't given him money to live on he hasn't necessarily even really allowed him into the house except at these dinners that he's like ordered to come to he can't just like drop by to see his own mother uh, which is hella controlling he also disapproves of his work at the museum and he thinks that it is effeminate to spend all his time with like books and history as opposed to i don't know i guess bare knuckle fighting a bear in the woods unclear what his business actually is and he has never donated to the museum where he works and basically wyborn is living alone and penniless basically because he doesn't make a lot of money at his library job but somehow at the end of the novel when he sees him more or less doing the, the victory make out with a guy his dad is completely fine with this and even seems to be quite warm and fatherly towards Wyborn at the end of the novel having been stopped from performing this ancient ritual that presumably he had been planning for quite a while because the whole idea of his participation is that he's going to make the make his wife slash Wyborn and his brother's mum uh, well again because she's she's dying of some sort of unspecified itis and then percy is just like mother wouldn't want this and the dad instantly changes his mind is like you know what love him or hate me spitting straight facts and i love my gay son even though it's like the fucking 1800s and although i can buy christine as being kind of uh, an open-minded woman being one working in you know what is shown to be a man's profession working in these kind of hostile conditions that she would understand kind of what it's like and also because she comes off as a massive lesbian i do not buy for one minute that wyborn's dad is okay with any of the stuff that he has just done not limited to just foiling the ancient arcane ritual slash you know making out with his boyfriend so that kind of really pulled me out of it and it felt like at that point it was just like 
all kind of believability has to be dispensed with because we need a happy ending. And I think that there are degrees of happy ending. And it could have just been like, you know what, we lived, we're still together, but my relationship with my family is is probably never going to be good. And, and I would buy that a lot more or maybe have him come around in later books. But to have it kind of the end of book one, it just feels a little bit premature and really kind of annoyed me because it just seemed so unbelievable. And up until that point, things have been, if a little bit predictable, a little bit stereotypical, then at least solid in terms of their logic and reasoning. And this just felt like a bolt from nowhere. Having said that, I do like the approach of magic. The in the inclusion of all this like Egyptology stuff was really interesting and a different way for it to go than just, you know, like ancient Celtic practices and, and more of the kind of Wicca centric side of fictional magic. And that was really interesting, cool. I like the idea that Percy might now be going into his background a little bit more, learning a bit more about magic. That would be an interesting journey to go on with him. I want to read more about Christine, to be honest. She's my favourite character. And uh, I feel like I hadn't read her before, whereas a lot of the other characters were similar to other characters and other plots in books that I'd read set around this time period. Um, so there's a lot of like interesting stuff in laying the groundwork in this first book. And I'm hoping that the next... 10 um, make it um, even more different even more original and, and build on that more uh, in a way that's slightly more original and slightly more exciting because it feels like very much like this is the pilot plot it's kind of basic it's not very nuanced and I feel like it can get a lot more complicated now that we've been introduced to the basics of how this world works so I'm looking forward to it I'm going to read some more and in the meantime if you have any thoughts on this series or any series like it that you'd like me to look into get in touch in the usual ways and in the meantime I'll see you in the next one.